You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to, I guess this isn't technically the Press Pass. We'll call it a special edition again of the Press Pass. Ryan, let's let's keep that narrative going. Welcome in here, everybody. It's an early Thursday morning when we are recording this. We are discussing Tennessee baseball's opening weekend, doing a little preview for you guys as Tennessee baseball is set to open their season over in the desert, in the MLB Desert Invitational, beginning Friday night against Arizona in Scottsdale. i got Ryan Chumper with me today. I'm your host, Jack Foster. Ryan, how are we doing this morning, man? Oh, doing pretty well. Excited to be on here talking about it. I like it. Rolling another special edition uh, of the Press Pass. At, at some point, we'll figure out an actual name uh, for this this Tennessee baseball podcast, but <laughs> I like it. Uh, it. It's certainly now it's early Thursday morning after... We were both working well after midnight at your Tennessee basketball knocked off Alabama. This this certainly isn't time for any any rash naming decisions. Yeah, exactly. Are you a more of a morning person? Um, I don't think you are. I think I know the answer to this, but I just gotta ask. Yeah, no, I'm I'm certainly not a morning person. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither, man. I'm a definitely a night owl, and working the Tennessee basketball beat will certainly make you one, all beats for that matter. But we are going to talk about Tennessee baseball today, as I mentioned, um, Friday night against Arizona. They'll start. And, you know, Ryan, we got to talk to Tony Vitello a couple of days ago. And, you know, it was nice getting to talk to him and Jared Dickey and Chase Dolander in person ahead of a weekend like this. And they had a lot of interesting things to say. So that's where I'm going to start talking uh, here in this podcast is basically what Tony Vitello was talking about in his press conference and you know to me he kind of went over what the the game plan was a little bit for this week and didn't go into any extensive detail but one of the most interesting things from the press conference to me was that you know we, we know the outfield has a lot of competition right now and he said that you know all three games this weekend we could see a totally different outfield for every single one you're right and i think Rising comment on its own. Some of that is uh, lended by the fact that Griffin Merritt is suspended for the first two games from getting an injection in Cincinnati's last game of the season last year. So I think, you know, both of us have heard people really rave about him and what he's done this preseason. I think both of us would say he's going to be starting the vast majority of Tennessee's games and one of the corner outfield spots, and whether that's left or right field, probably is still up in the air. So that lends itself to that a, a little bit too, but there are six guys back there that there's really a, a ton of competition with. And I think I don't foresee Christian Scott being a longtime starter on this team, but Tennessee's still really high on him. And he is a veteran in that room. And he's certainly going to have a, a sizable role on this team, whether he's a starter or not. But we've kind of seen it most years with him where he's going to get opportunities early in the year. He was an opening day starter two years ago down at Georgia Southern. And I, I believe he even started a game last year in the opening. We can get Georgia Southern. So, I, I my guess is you'll see five of those six outfielders. Uh, if I had to guess which one won't start, uh, I would probably say Dryling, but I think you'll probably see five of those six outfielders start somewhere this weekend. And I think that lent itself to another interesting thing Tony Vitello said. And not that it was overly surprising. I think we we thought this to begin with, but 
he said the DH spot is going to be an outfielder basically every single game. That's just mm-hmm. how our depth lends itself to. Uh, so it, that kind of adds an extra an extra element of Tennessee trying to figure out its outfield rotation. And it, it's really – you think there's three outfield spots, obviously, but really it's going to be four starting spots for those six guys. And uh, honestly, when you consider that, maybe all six of them get a start. But you're going to see all six of those guys play at the very least. And that's one of the storylines I'm I'm looking forward to the most, to be honest with you. Yeah, and one of those guys is definitely going to be Jared Dickey, as we know that Tennessee is steering him more towards the outfield rather than catcher. And Tony Vitello talked about the catcher position, and he still lumped Jared Dickey into that room. He's saying, you know, Jared can still catch any given day we need him to. It's it's not that, you know, he's just totally not a catcher anymore, and he's just simply outfield. He can still do both. There, You're just steering him more towards the outfield. And Jared Dickey, you know, he kind of talked about that. He said he was comfortable with that move, and it made a lot of sense, and that he's comfortable with what Tennessee's catcher room is right now with um, Cal Stark and with Chuck Taylor and and uh, and Miller there with for the backup. And, you know, talking about this catcher position, Cal Stark kind of had a little setback over this past month. He was very sick, but now he's working his way back and Charlie Taylor as well is there. So I think we'll see both guys this weekend, Ryan. You're right. Uh, to me, it just depends on what the order uh, of things is going to be. I, I would have thought, or I do think that probably once you settle into the season, uh, assuming everybody's healthy, that you'll see Cal Stark be that Friday, the Sunday guy, catch Chase Dolander and Drew Beam, and then Charlie Taylor uh, get, the, get the Saturday start. And, and then probably you'll see Taylor start a lot of Tuesdays, especially early in the season. And then later in the season, I think you might see Ryan Miller get some opportunities there. Maybe Jared Dickey, if Tennessee's in a bind or has some injuries at the catcher spot. That would be some good kind of on-season training for him. But this weekend, it's going to be fascinating to see who who starts where because Vitello said that's still up in the air. And he mentioned that uh, that 103-degree fever that kind of limited Cal Stark some of the last week. Uh, and he's back now, like you said, playing. But that adds an extra element to things. So, again, that's another thing I'm really curious about. And uh, this is a little off topic, but, you know, someone Jerry Dickey said that caught my ear that he, what, well, I think what was his line that he's seeing the baseball like a beach ball right now. I think he said he went yeah. eight to 13. Tennessee had a, a mm-hmm. his final preseason scrimmage last weekend, uh, three games. And not that that's really surprising, but again, I just think he's kind of a guy that's overlooked on this team. And obviously we talked about it in our full preview podcast last week, but Tennessee's replacing all eight position player starters. If he was healthy last season, it would be seven of of eight. And he was just so, so effective. I think whatever he, he ended up hitting 385. And he's just – he's a bat that you really don't see a whole lot in baseball today with the analytics, the way that the sport's driven that way and a lot of home runs or strikeouts. He can hit the long ball. He has power. But he is such a fantastic contact hitter and has such a fantastic eye. And you hear him say he went 13 on a weekend, and it's kind of like, eh, doesn't really surprise me. He's, he's an elite hitter. Right. So – uh, that was something that stood out and, and will be interesting to see how he can carry that over this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I know he had significantly less at-bats than, you know, the starters for Tennessee last season, but he, he ended up leading the team in batting average. So this is a guy that's very consistent at the plate and uh, we'll definitely see some time this weekend. Moving to the pitching, you know, I kind of want to use Jared Dickey in this conversation a little bit because something very interesting, we know Chase Dolander is the best pitcher in college baseball. We know that he's getting all these accolades projected number one overall draft pick in the 2023 MLB draft. 
But Jared Dickey says that he is an improved pitcher heading into this season. Now, it's not necessarily surprising that someone would take a step forward in an offseason. That's what players are supposed to do. But the fact that Jared Dickey is that confident saying that Chase Dolander is a, is an improved pitcher, considering what he did last season, is going to be scary for opposing teams. No, you're right. And Dolander, Dickey hinted at it, and then fortunately we got to talk to Dolander right after, and he went into a little more detail of, we're really trying to sharpen up that curveball and attack left-handed hitters uh, that way. And he was so good at throwing. To me, what was most impressive about him last year is the ability to throw that slider early and counts for mm-hmm. strikes just consistently. And when you can do that and pair that with what a fastball that sits at 97 can hit 98, 99, it's going to be really, really hard for college batters. And if he can throw that curveball for a strike consistently and obviously use that as a chase pitch uh, to help – get out of at bats, it's going to be even more dangerous. So that was something that is crazy to say, but or crazy to hear, but certainly not shocking either. And I think, right. We know we watched Trace Dillander be elite last year. So it's obviously not a major talking point, but how can that not be one of the things you're most excited about? And Dickie also mentioned, I don't think he used the word feeling bad for, but he talked about all these bullpen arms Tennessee has. And he's like, I don't know how much, how much yeah. innings are going to get because our starting pitching so good. And, and we saw that last year, the first half of SEC play when it felt like Dolander, Chase Burns, Drew Beam were going six and two thirds innings every time out. Um, but, and I wrote the pitching preview yesterday. It's like, man, there's a, there, I named 11 bullpen arms that I thought have a chance to be in the rotation or to be in the mix. So early in the season as Tennessee is working, those guys working at starting pitchers and their pitch count up, there's going to be more opportunity for the bullpen. And it feels like because of that, the importance of those innings that every single one of those pitchers gets is really heightened because they need to make the most of other opportunities. And uh, I'll let you talk about it more, but a guy, Tony Vitello, I asked him about the left-handed bullpen arms and uh, I know you're high on him, but the first name he brought up was junior college transfer, Jacob Bimby and how impressive he's been. So uh, I thought that was, was telling. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You know, just finishing off with uh, Chase Dolander there, he said, you know, hitters are going to be more prepared for me. He went into the season thinking that way because of he was just heavy fastball and slider. He's like, hitters are going to be more prepared for me, so I have to be more prepared for them. If I have all four of my pitches working the way I want to, <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough out there for him, and all I have to do is throw strikes. So that was Dolander's quote on his pitches. And, you know, like he said, he's, like Ryan said, he's developing that curveball and becoming even a better pitcher for Tennessee this season. Yes, Jacob Bimby, as you mentioned, is someone that has been talked about a lot from Tony Vitello and players this offseason. And, you know, you really turned me on to him when we did the um, season preview podcast last week saying that, you know, he was impressive in fall ball. Uh, when you look at all these bullpen lefties and especially just the newcomers Tennessee's pitching staff has, of course, Bimby, not a freshman, he's a Juco guy, but still can definitely make an impact. And, you know, the fact that there's so many names, Ryan, and there's names that were with Tennessee last season. And I know you're high on Wyatt Evans, but when you ask Tony Vitello, hey, who's standing out that Jacob Bimby is that name is certainly indicative that he is going to get he's got a he's going to get some consistent innings. I mean, you just get that vibe, don't you? A hundred percent. You really do. And he said, as you would expect him to, he said good things about really all of his left handed arms, but you could tell there. It just felt like there was a little more excitement about Bimby. That was the first name off his mm-hmm. off his uh, or first name that he said, and 
Uh, like I like the way you said it too, because Jacob Bimby's pretty good. And you can tell why he said, well, last three outings, he's been really, really good. And mm-hmm. and he mentioned, uh, I think Jake, Jake Fitzgibbon has struggled in, in a couple of his last outings. Not that that means he's not going to have a big role in the bullpen or anything like that, but he was fresh on his mind. And clearly you mentioned, I liked him a lot when I watched him in the fall. It's clear he's carried that over into the, what, three weeks, basically marathon sprint up to the season that is preseason practice. Yeah, and he t- he talked about um, Fitzgibbons uh, has you know maybe would have liked to throw a little bit better over the last few times, but he's definitely going to be in the mix. And then Wyatt Evans, they've kind of slowed down leading into the season. That's it's probably because they know that he's going to you know be a valuable piece of this bullpen. And uh, and then Kirby's Kirby, of course. So all those lefties are going to get work. And then he said Xander as well. More than just a midweek starter, he can definitely bring a lot to the table on the weekends as well so ryan any final thoughts on pitching this weekend we there's any weekend that the starters are probably going to be limited it's opening weekend right i know um chase stolander said that you know he's probably not going 100 pitches or anything like that probably 80 or 85 is is the sweet spot for them three and um we'll we'll probably see quite a few guys this weekend no you're right and i would even Go under about about five pitches. I think he's being a little ambitious. My guess is it'll be seventy five to eighty and not or seventy to eighty and not eighty to eighty five. Just going from what Tennessee did last last year to start yeah. the season. And I guess my last pitching note is it was funny. Tony Vitello said something that Fitzgibbons. It felt like exactly how I feel about him. He said he was talking earlier in his press conference about uh, I think it was really about freshmen and you get out there and some people make it too much and you just got to play. You just got to pitch. Jake Fitzgibbons, he looked really good in the fall. We, I've heard a lot of really good things about him, but he's kind of been like the offseason warrior. Like, I feel like every offseason, like, I hear really good things about Jake Fitzgibbons. And Tony Vicetella said, he's just one of those guys. He just needs to go out there and play ball. So I, I think that made a lot of sense that he could be a guy that kind of makes a little too much out of it once he gets on the mound in Tennessee. His stuff's really good. He needs to just go out there and simplify things. And uh, I think – and I don't mean to, to maybe hopefully I'm not misinterpreting what Vitello is trying to say, but it kind of felt like how I feel about it. You need to just go see him prove it at this point. You know, the talent's mm-hmm. there. He's done it in practice. Let's see if he can, he can go prove it in a, in a regular season. Yeah. And the last person I'll touch on here in the pitching is Seth Halverson. Of course, a little bit of an unknown for Tennessee this season. Um, I asked Tony just what it's like to have Seth coming into the season fully healthy as Tennessee didn't have that, Luxury, of course, last season, he goes, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a feel-out process, took a little bit getting used to uh, as far as just Seth Halverson and pitching. He compared it to boxing, two, two boxers feeling themselves out. But he said the stuff is there. You can definitely see that he's been here before, that he started significant games. He was a Friday night starter for Missouri. So he will definitely be a guy in Tennessee's rotation. And, you know, he uh, pointed out May in his quote that saying, you know, by by the time May comes here, I think you'll definitely really see, you know, what he's capable of. Yeah, certainly. And it kind of feels like that to me. It, it's funny. You, it's like three guys that feel really similar to me in Tennessee's bullpen. And it's the right-handed arms of Halverson, Andrew Lindsay, the Charlotte transfer, and then Zach Joyce. All three guys, in at least a year, all three guys are tall, hard-throwing right-handers. And ceiling's really high. But due to that lack of 
really in the last year, you kind of there's kind of question marks about where they're going to be at the start of the season and what the consistency is going to be. And all those things we just talked about about the bullpen's depth, I think makes not that they need to be pressing. I'm sure they'll all get opportunities throughout the season, but there is going to only be so many innings in the bullpen. It'll be interesting to see which of those three, and Halverson would probably be my pick, but which of those three comes out the most sharp early in the season. Yeah, yeah, uh, I feel you. And, you know, you mentioned Andrew Lindsay, of course, the tr- Charlotte transfer. Um, Chase Dolander did mention him as well when asked about, you know, newcomers that stand out. Of course, Tony has talked about Jacob Embiid a lot. Dolander threw Andrew Lindsay's name in. So so there's a lot of names working here, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how many we see this weekend and, uh, and how much we get to see them, for that matter. So kind of moving to this weekend, Tennessee playing Arizona, Grand Canyon, UC San Diego. As far as you know, how good the teams are. It's probably in that order. I think I saw somewhere, and I can't be, like, for certain, but I think I saw where um, Arizona Grand Canyon were in the 30s range as far as receiving votes for the preseason poll. So they're not bad squads, and Tony Vitello even said, you know, Arizona has Omaha potential. They are they are a good baseball team. So Tennessee will certainly, you know, have their work cut out for them a little bit for their first two days. Um, can't sleep on those two teams, and then they, they uh, play UC San Diego, should be a little bit of an easier matchup there on Sunday. No, you're you're absolutely right. And Arizona is, a, to me, a premier program on the West Coast. And certainly they're kind of in a little bit of a, I don't know if rebuilding stage, a transition stage would probably be the better word. Jay Johnson, who's LSU's head coach, left from mm-hmm. Arizona and took a lot of Arizona's best players with him uh, last season. So it was a little bit of a step back in Chappelle's first season, but still, Arizona made it to a regional final and down in the Coral Gables region. They were a two-seed, lost to Ole Miss, who obviously went on to win the national championship. So they're really good, and it's funny. They return the bulk of their pitching from last year, but it's, but they lose two or three weekend starters. The one weekend starter they have back is their Friday night starter. It's the guy they will see, uh, or Tennessee will face off against Friday night, T.J. Nichols at Pitching was really, really has not been a strength of Arizona's program, really, even with Jay Johnson. I mean, it's a, it's a power hitting program. Nichols had a 6 4 record, a 5 5 ERA last year. Some of that, I think, is a little bit inflated. He had some, a couple of just like really bad starts. Honestly, when you look at it, reminded me when you look at Seth Halverson's numbers from when he was a Friday night starter at Missouri the year before he transferred to Tennessee. The ERA wasn't great because he has had two or three just horrific starts, and the rest of the time was really solid. So, Certainly Nichols is not uh, Chase Dolander, but um, he is a solid pitcher. He's a pitcher with Friday night experience, and uh, this is an Arizona team that is fully expected to make the NCAA tournament. And, and like Tony Vitello said, I think it is a team. If things click, there's more depth, there's more talent this year. They brought in some some solid transfers and, and JUCO guys. That If things click, this team has a really high ceiling. Yeah, and you mentioned TJ Nichols um, did make a couple of starts in Arizona's postseason run last year. Um, earned a win in an elimination game um, there in the Coral Gables regional. So this is a guy who definitely has some experience and and had some good starts last season. But as you mentioned, was definitely inconsistent, posting five five ERA with six four record there last year. But that's who Tennessee will see Friday night um, in Scottsdale, and you know just. Talking Tennessee baseball in a general sense for this weekend is give me a couple of quick things that you're really looking for. I know we talked about, you know, who who's going to, you know, rise up in this outfield competition since there's opportunity there this weekend. Who's going to, you know, put together some good bullpen innings. What are the things you're most specifically looking forward to seeing out of Tennessee this weekend? 
Well, I think part of it is the outfield. Uh, that's probably honestly probably number one, but it's a lot of things we talked about last week. How does Christian Moore and Blake Burke and Jared Dickey handle being the guys in the middle of Tennessee's lineup? And it's, it's a different animal when you're the guy getting pitched around and you can't be avoided being pitched around like they were last year when they were in the lineup. So I think that's something I'm really interested in seeing. Really, I'm just interested to see the kind of the rapport between Tennessee's catchers and Tennessee's Tennessee starting pitchers. And that's, you know, even past just the who plays and, and how they look at the plate and how those pitchers. I'm just going to be curious to see how those those guys work, to, work together and look comfortable together. So that's something I think I'm really looking forward to, to watching. And I guess one other note on the weekend schedule as a whole, like, did Tony Vitello do the scheduling? Like, did he – plan when Tennessee got to play who? Because to me, it really feels like it, it felt perfect for Tennessee. They get oh, Arizona, believe. Yeah, yeah, like I said, as ball. far as, you know, the talent talent of the teams you're playing, it goes in order of one to three. Yeah, it does. And it feels like drop-off from two to three. And when you look at Tennessee's starting pitching staff, to me, the drop-off is from two to three. So it, it works out really well for Tennessee and it's baseball. There's, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Tennessee loses a game this weekend, but it, it does seem like it, it sets up really well for Tennessee to to get a nice get three nice wins to open the season. Would you say, you know, uh, rewind a little bit back to your thoughts on Tennessee baseball entering last season? Of course, we weren't working together entering last Tennessee baseball season. We weren't talking as much about the Vols. Would you say there is more uncertainties? about Tennessee baseball heading into this season than there was last season. I know the starting pitching rotation set, but we have no clue how the lineup's going to be filled out. You knew that Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert were going to be those guys um, last year, and you, and you knew more pieces in the outfield, certainly, last year. So would you say there's more uncertainties? Not that it's a bad thing, but would you say there's more uncertainties heading into this season for Tennessee baseball? Last not year. really. like not Not as much as, like, Maybe a little bit, but not as much as you would think off the top of your head. Because I go back to last year, and Blade Tidwell, who was supposed to be the Friday night guy, he was out to start the season. And you knew Chase Burns. You heard really good things about Chase Burns and Chase Dolander. You heard good things about Drew Beam. But none of those guys had – I mean, two of those guys, Burns and Beam, had never done it at all in college. They'd never thrown a single yeah. pitch in college. And, and Dolander, as impressive as he was, as good as a, a get as I knew he was when Tennessee landed him over Arkansas and TCU – uh, in the transfer portal, still life in the SEC. It's still different. And you're right. There were more certainties in, in the field, but there were still question marks to me. I mean, no one knew that – you knew Trey Lipscomb was going to be a starting third baseman. Nobody knew that he was going to have just an unbelievable season and somehow be better than his two predecessors and, and Jake Rucker and Andre Lipsius were. Nobody knew – to me, Jarrell Ortega was the most underrated player in the SEC last year. No one knew. I didn't even know Jarrell Ortega was going to win the starting job. I mean, I was confident he was going to start on opening day, but I didn't know if he was that was going to be the full season. He would beat out Seth Stevenson and Christian Moore at that spot. And I didn't know how – to me, Cortland Lawson, I was like, this is the weakest shortstop Tennessee's had since Tennessee – since Tony – or maybe not since Tony Vitale has been there. But since I started covering the team in 2019 when Ricky Martinez was there, so – you're right. There probably is more questions this year, but I entered last season thinking there were a lot of a lot of question marks too. And certainly, with what Tennessee has figured out with its starting rotation and with its infield starters, I think it's probably less question marks than maybe the the naked eye would would lead you to believe. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, pitching rotation is so huge. So, so of course, that it, it would lead you to believe that, you know, this is you feel you got a little bit better sense of what Tennessee baseball is heading into this season. By the way, um, fun fact I learned from Tennessee baseball's SID when, you know, getting credentialed for this tournament is that the Grand Canyon game in Phoenix is actually at their home stadium and it's sold out. Wow. So it will be like a true road game. You know, the other two, it's, uh, and I can't really speak, uh, obviously, well, yeah, I can. The other two, it's not, it's a neutral site. You know, of course, Arizona's in their home state, but it's not their home stadium. It's not where the campus is or anything. But, you know, Grand Canyon's going to be a true road game. So we'll, we'll see Tennessee kind of play in that setting this weekend as well. Yeah, it's but, a really good note. I, I didn't even yeah. know that. But I think that's good for Tennessee. And, uh, to get some experience on the road early in the season, they don't have another road game until they open. Well, I guess they don't have a road, true road game to begin with. I guess the one Grand Canyon game is. But until they go to Missouri, they open SEC play. So I think that'll be good for right. them. And I think what will be interesting to see is it's something we haven't talked about a ton because it's hard to quantify. But what's the mojo of this team going to be like? Obviously, the villains thing has been the, the last couple of years. And Drew Gilbert, hard to not be a villain when Drew Gilbert was on your team and you play with the emotion he had. And I go back to two years ago when they opened the season at Georgia Southern, that emotion and you early on saw Tennessee's, what would become Tennessee's identity of being the villains and going right at people and not being afraid to talk. It'll be curious to see that. And certainly Grand Canyon kind of has crazy fans and, <laughs> well, I guess they don't play football, but in basketball and I would imagine baseball too, if it's series, if that game is sold out. So uh, I'll be curious to kind of see what, really how Tennessee carries itself in that game and really all weekend is just kind of team looks to, to create their own identity. Yeah. And, and that's always something interesting to see from a team is, is how they build that identity And it. And just looking at Tennessee here, you know, you got to think the vibes are a little different for them heading into this season because, you know, two years ago, they pretty much, I don't, don't want to say they came out of nowhere, but no one expected them to go to Omaha. Right. And then last year, what was They were, uh, Eight, the eighth-ranked SEC team in the polls, right? So, you know, this season, preseason ranked number two, pretty unanimously. It's 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 got to be a little bit different vibe, you know. You know, your fig- people know about you now. Is what I'm trying to say. No, you're right. And to me, especially last year, really, each of the last two years, Tennessee was pretty hilariously underranked. Yeah, and... yeah. Last year, I remember that, that was just absurd. Yeah, I mean, they were picked fourth in the fourth in the SEC East, which was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, they, like, we just talked about it, there were question marks, but there was a ton of talent back from a team that went to Omaha. And I don't know if this maybe is, is garbage by me, but it felt like there was some reluctance to think Tennessee was going to be in the big boys club of the SEC and they could sustain the success uh, that they had, but they've proved it. And now there's really no denying that they, they have the, the staying capability to do that. You're right. It's uh, it's a new it's a new position Tennessee's in, and they're kind of the the hunty instead of the hunter. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Because I feel like Tony Vitello is uh, would like it the other way. I, I think he likes Certainly. having a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he he's definitely that type of guy. Um, but regardless, Tennessee baseball gets a chance to begin the season on a high note when they head to Arizona this weekend. As I said, Arizona, 8 p.m. Eastern there on Friday night. Then they get Grand Canyon on Saturday night. And then UC San Diego will be Sunday afternoon. Ryan, any uh, final thoughts here um, heading into the opening weekend for Tennessee baseball? 
No, I, th- I think we hit it all. My final thought is that everyone give Jack a follow on Twitter. He'll be he'll be out in Arizona covering a series for Rocky Top Insider as Rick Butler and I are, are up in Lexington covering basketball. So really excited about that. I know you are as well. Should be a, a fun weekend, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of great coverage, and I'll do all I can to uh, help uh, supplement that and add a little bit more of my own. Yeah, man, it's going to be a blast. You know, before the national championship, because I was fortunate enough to go out to L.A., I'd never been west of Chicago. So this is in the past, you know, month and a half heading west twice. It's it's really awesome. Um, so, yeah, I've heard great things about Arizona and Phoenix. I got a friend who lives in Tucson who loves it. So uh, definitely looking forward to it and grateful. So appreciate that, Ryan. And, of course, give Ryan Shumper to follow as well. Always crushing Tennessee basketball and baseball coverage this time of year at rshump00. That's S-C-H-U-M-P. And then I am at Jack Foster Media. And, of course, Follow at Rocky Top Insider on all your social media platforms and check out RockyTopInsider.com on the daily for coverage of all things Tennessee athletics. Ryan, that'll do it for this early Thursday morning pod. We had a little fun. I will see you later for lunch, my friend. Sounds great. All right, buddy. Looking forward to it. All right, and that'll wrap up this. What we still don't know is the name of our Rocky Top Insider baseball podcast. We'll just continue calling it a special edition of the Press Pass for now. But thanks for listening to Ryan and I this morning. We'll be back with you guys shortly for a weekly edition of the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass talking Tennessee basketball. Peace.